0: Father, we thank you uh, this morning that we remember you and and, uh, worship your name. And be reminded of the truth of your word and how sustaining it is to our lives because of what you've done on Calvary for us. Lord, we pray for the ministries that uh, begin now with the children. I pray that you would uh, bless those times, the teachers and the young ones that uh, they may grow uh, to know more and more about you and have a desire uh, to put their lives in your hands. And we pray now for Murray as he comes and speaks and brings your word. May we be challenged. Um, May your your truth of it uh, penetrate our lives uh, into action. And uh, yeah, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I guess I'm just going to have to maximise on my opportunity this morning. (laughs) It's a real joy to be with you this morning. It's a long time since I've had the privilege of coming to Hukunui Road. Joy, my wife over here, actually was here when this chapel was founded. And she was a student at that time at um, the halls of residence and studying here in, in Hamilton. So there's been a long connect uh, for Joy and for ourselves through our involvement in mission. Just as you look here on the, and his introduction, Joy and I have been working in the Democratic Republic of Congo. We've had 22 years there, although we have been back here a year now and in a new role that I have with our mission office and our Assembly Mission Network. They've given me this lofty title of Mission Ambassador And I'm going to be explaining to you soon that we're actually all called to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ, and we're going to get a hopefully a good understanding of what that really means for us as we are intent upon being a missional church. The Democratic Republic of Congo, if you look at the little map down the bottom there, you can see Congo is that yellow mass in the middle of the main map down in the bottom corner. And we were working in, if Joy can just click on, in the province of Katanga. Katanga is about the size of Spain or twice times New Zealand. I'll again, Joy, just to give it context. You can actually fit all of Western Europe into Congo in terms of its landmass, just one country within the African continent. But the first missionary who trooped into that part of Africa, Central Africa, before any other expatriate ever did was a brethren missionary by the name of Mr. Arnott. Mr. Arnott walked into Congo. And he came upon a tyrannical leader who was controlling a large part of that Katanga province. And his compound was staked with the skulls of people who were being executed every week as his armies went out and conquered the vast areas of that part of Congo. He had 500 wives, some of whom were his regents within the areas that he had conquered. He was a brutal man. It took Mr. Arnott five years to see the first convert. Can you imagine that? And then about the second tier of missionaries coming down the coast, 13 missionaries came down in a sailing ship and they anchored off the coast of Angola. Assembly missionaries. And the first one died on board ship of malaria as they were dropping anchor. And only three of the 13 reached the interior. All the others died en route. or one couple returned to the coast. They were so sick. And yet today in that province, we have 1,500 assemblies. And there's not one of those assemblies that is led by an expatriate like you or I. They are all indigenously led. And then we have in that same province, 520 primary and secondary schools, assembly schools, For our children, there are 155,000 children in our schools every scholastic day in that country. And there is not a single person like you or I who are helping to run that education. It is all indigenously led. We have eight major hospitals in the province. Only one of them has missionary nurses, Sandra Meikle from Omeroo, and an English nurse. All the other seven hospitals are completely indigenously run, including the two surgical hospitals. Where, training, rather, where we train surgeons. Now, my question really is this, is that good or bad news? Clearly, it is good news. For five years, Mr. Arnott labored in that land before he saw the first convert who happened to be one of Mushidi's executioners, and he became the first African evangelist who went with another one of our missionaries and saw the founding of the Luanza Mission Station. And today, 1,500 assemblies are growing. We roofed 22 churches last year in that province. Some people say of the Brethren Mission or Brethren Churches, for that matter, those folks, who are they? What relevance is there? But I want to say to you today as we share the story of mission, I hope that you will be exercising your heart to realize that God has called you to mission. I wonder if we could just have that next slide up. God has called you to mission. If you are a brother and a sister here today who has received the grace of God in your life, you've come to know Him as your Lord and Saviour. You are made for mission. God's intent is to use you for the sake of sharing the gospel with a lost world. One of my concerns is this is my 96th meeting since May last year in our assembly network is that I find that many churches have lost their missional focus. And I don't mean uh, offshore necessarily. What I mean when I say that is they've lost the understanding that God has called us to be His hands and feet, His voice within society. And as you look at this here, maybe you haven't seen the scope of what's happening within our mission work as an assembly or brethren assembly network. We are currently working in 34 countries across the globe. Equally, we are working with 41 different mission agencies. That means we are very large in spirit. We work with OMF, SIM, Missionary Aviation Fellowship, and, of course, our assembly-based, strictly assembly mission work in, in Chad and Congo and Zambia and Fiji and Papua New Guinea and parts of Asia. Currently, we have 214 missionary personnel that are working across 114 cross-cultural mission opportunities. Isn't that awesome? Some of them are what we call restricted access countries. These are the countries where you can go to jail for being a Christian. Many of them are now becoming our what we call restricted access countries, but I'm going to share a little bit more about that in just a little while. But before we go there, I want to open the scriptures together with you from Second Corinthians chapter chapter 5, and we're going to look at this understanding of what it means to be ambassadors for Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11 to 20, and beginning at verse 11, it says this, Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. There is a mission verse. Has it impacted you before as you've read the Scripture? Let me read it again and paraphrase it slightly. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. In other words, to honour the Lord, to respect the Lord, to know His grace in our life, we try to persuade others. Down to verse 13, if we're out of our minds, and some say it is for God. If we're in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, therefore all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Down to verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come or the new is here. All this is from God. All this is from God who reconciled us Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, but He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Isn't this an awesome mission passage? You hear those words reconciliation? ambassadors for him. The first truth found in this biblical passage in terms of the title of ambassador is the role of ambassador is one of representing Jesus Christ. The object of our faith for Christians is Christ. Our mission is to represent Christ in our lives, in our work, in our play, in our study, and as we rub shoulders with people within our community. Now why is that important? In fact, what on earth is God doing? Why would he put his representation into the hands of a a broken man like Murray Stevens? It is a mystery. And yet he has done exactly that. And I I think Jesus brings some clarity to this when he says in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus is speaking when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know Him and you have seen Him. Folks, when we are called to mission, when Jesus asks us to be His representative, He does it for that reason. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. No one is going to come to the Father except by Him. It's the difference of darkness and light. It's the difference between lost and found. And we know those verses that we learned and maybe our children are in Sunday school today, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God in Romans 3.23. And then it's compounded in Romans 6.23 when it says the wages of that sin, the weight of that sin is death, separation from God, distance from God. And yet the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Folks, we know that the virus of sin has separated men and women from God. And the only antidote is found in the mission of Jesus. There's a second truth of being ambassadors for Christ, and it is this, that it is a plural invitation. Verse 20 makes this clear when it says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. I wonder whether you remember that passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 and down to verse 30, I think it is, that describes the church. Paul is describing the church as a body. And he says, the church is like hands and, and head and feet, all mutually dependent upon each other. This is the functional sense of Paul's invitation to be Christ's ambassadors, a plural engagement. Paul knows that we need each other. Paul knows and understands that every man and woman has some gifts but not all the gifts, and he invites us to collaborate together. You know, as I came here this morning really early, sometime about quarter past eight, I found there were people already here preparing, and then the music team arrived and they began to pray and sing and worship. And I saw some tears coming down the the face of one of those music people when they were singing this morning. Before you ever got here, see, God was already dealing with the hearts and minds and thoughts of those people. And we need to understand that God has called us to the poor, we, not the me, when we get prideful when we start to think that everything depends upon us as an individual and we forget that God has invited us to work together, then things go wrong. I have observed at times churches failing and missions failing. And forgive me if I'm blunt in my observations, but it's things like jealousy and pride and domination and lack of love, actually just simply sin. The key to mission and church success is realized by those who have learned to truly enjoy the gifts and talents of their fellow ambassadors as they work together. Not I wish it was me, but rather I love what you do. Do you love each other? And as you examine and you see the gifts and talents, and this church is full of multi-talent, do you get in behind and say, thank you? You know, when these children come back out from Sunday school later on towards the end of the service, Do you remember to say to those teachers, thank you. Thank you so much for telling my children about Jesus. Folks, it's about the we, not the me. It is a plural calling as we go forward with Christ as ambassadors for Jesus. And then there's a third truth that comes out about being ambassadors, and Paul describes it like this. Christ's love, verse 14, Christ's love compels us. You say, oh, Murray. What do you mean by that? Christ's love compels us. Don't you know how difficult my life is? Don't you know how difficult the people are around me? How can I be compelled by the love of Christ? How does it even work? Let me tell you how it works. When Paul was stating that statement, he's remembering back to a day when he was a persecutor of the church, where he would lock people up. He was present at the stoning of Stephen. And that day he was on his horse heading for yet another campaign to lock up and arrest Christians, and God knocks him off his horse. And on that day, Paul has an encounter with Jesus. And by the grace of God, he is saved. And he begins a life journey of ministry and of company as an ambassador for Jesus. And you know, later on in Paul's ministry, towards the end of his ministry, he lifts his arms and he says, Oh, wretched man that I I am. Who can save me from this body of... You see, he had a problem with sin right through his life, just like you and I do. And as Paul is remembering all that God has done for him, he is so grateful. It's like he's not going to look to the left or the right of the person next to you right now. You look at your own heart. And you take an honest look. If you have come into the saving grace of Jesus as an individual person here, think about that. Think about how you were lost and now you are found, how you were in darkness, now you have light. And even though we will contend with our broken and sinful natures, God will pick us up and take us on a journey of faith and of commitment with him. Stunningly, it is that God knows me. He knows my weakness, my sin, past, present, and future, my struggles, and my imperfections, but he still seeks to gather me up and take me on a journey of faith and of repentance and of renewal, and dare I say it, if you let him, adventure. I wonder if you could just reflect for a minute. Who is the person that you'd most hate to come home to your place with you for lunch today? Can you think of that person? You've got them in your mind now. Come on, think about it. Well, that's the one that God would invite and gather to himself. In truth, that is you and I, a holy God fully knowing our every failure Every fear and every sin still loves us. That is awesome. And when Paul is motivated by the love of Christ, he is so because he recognizes how much that love has, has entered into his life and brought about a saving relationship with God. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says it perfectly when it says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God's grace should motivate us to serve and motivated by the realization of an all-knowing God's grace and mercy and forgiveness that picks us up. And then there's a fourth truth. And it's the one that talks about our objective as ambassadors for Christ. It's found in verse 18 to 20, and it is to bring reconciliation with God. 1 Peter 3.18 puts it really well when it says, For Christ died for sinners once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. When you know that you are God's child saved from sin and that heaven is your home, then you understand why you are here on earth. Then you understand why the gospel is of first importance to your children, to your grandchildren, to your parents and to your friends. You see how important it is to introduce people to Jesus who loves them. Reconciliation with God means a whole lot. It means forgiveness, it means the hope of heaven. And you know the awesome thing about it? It means the company of our Savior on our life's journey. He is standing with us. Have you acknowledged his presence this morning? Yes, we have. As we've sung together praises and recognition of who our God is, we do this. But it is good for us to do this intentionally. You know, to be ambassadors for Jesus is not necessarily an easy road. And in the Western world, the hostility and the opposition to Christianity and Christian perspective and faith is there. But I want to tell you, don't start hiding behind the barriers of walls because you're scared of what's happening out here. Just be God's hands and feet in character, in deed, and in your sharing of your faith with people around you, sharing your testimony, inviting people to come and be part of this awesome fellowship of which you are members. Paul actually asked for prayer in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, and this is the prayer that he asked. People to pray for him. He says, pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mysteries of the gospel. This is the end of his missionary journey, folks. He is in prison now. And then he says, for which I am an ambassador in chains, pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Folks, 1 John 2 verse 6 says, whoever claims to live in him to live in Jesus must walk as Jesus did when i contemplate that verse i remember that jesus launched his mission on earth at the synagogue when he took that scroll from the from the scroll uh, i guess cupboard there in that synagogue and he opens it up to isaiah chapter 61 verse 1 and he reads the spirit of the sovereign lord is on me because the lord has anointed me this is jesus to preach the good news. Who to? To the poor, to the sick, to the captive. Folks, we have an awesome message to share with a lost world. We have a faith that is to be imparted across the nations and within our context of our own community of Hukanui and wider Hamilton. In our universities, in our schools, in our workplaces, we have the opportunity to be his hands and feet in this world. Would you take up the challenge? It's not about the me, it's about the we. It's about standing together, praying for each other, being intentional, as this church clearly is. Thank you for your mission, heart. Just going to show you a second slide that relates to our mission as we are involved with our mission across. The world, our goal is to reach the world with the gospel message while growing indigenous Christian communities who can reach beyond their communities with this message. Did you know that with our assembly uh, missions here in New Zealand, we have Kenyan full-time workers working in our assemblies. We have Brazilian full-time workers working in our assemblies. God is bringing people to our nation to bring the gospel back here to reorientate us towards the importance of actually being God's hands and feet and allowing him to speak. So as a mission agency, our GC3, Global Connections Times Three, we have as our central goal to bring the gospel to the world. The next slide, will just tell you a little bit more about that mission. The trust or the missions that trust that we have are three different trusts. And the first one you'll find in the prayer book, and I see in your foyer there, and I put them on the chair just at the door there. So please feel free to pick these up is a stack of these prayer guides. In that first trust are those 212 missionaries that are currently across the globe. In the middle of this book, you'll find there's no pictures and no surnames. All those six pages are what we call restricted access countries where people can't have their surnames there for risk of their names going to the governments or authorities in those countries and them being put under the pump, I guess. But there's a whole 212 of your missionaries here in this manual. That introduce you to that first trust where money comes through to support them for their mission work, where we provide the prayer information that comes and send it out across the web on publications that are out in your foyer there. We produce, of course, this prayer manual. Why does it make sense for our assembly missions who are commended, missionaries, who are commended from our local churches to get included in this book? Well, it's because when they're included in this book, They get exposure across all our churches across New Zealand. More people pray, more people begin to support that missionary endeavour. So, the first trust is that one, GC3, trust that looks after all our missionary partners. The second trust is GCAID. We have a facility now that can give a tax rebate for any money that goes out to our missionaries for aid related mission work. Right at the moment, a lot of money has come into the trust for COVID related. Responses. And that's been going out to our missionaries to be used appropriately in those areas. It also supports things like hospital work, or when there's a tsunami or a, another natural disaster, we're able to respond quite quickly. What you must remember with that trust is you cannot use that trust to support your missionary or buy Bibles or support a Bible school. The government legislation would never allow that. It is strictly for aid. And I want to say something about aid be careful. Don't just send aid for aid's sake, but ask the question, what is the opportunity for that aid to help people be reached with the gospel? I'm going to show you a short video clip right at the end here. In Congo, we had medical work. Every day we started our hospital day with a gospel service in the compound. And then we trained chaplains that worked with their patients during the day. And then all the staff were Christians. So every operation that was ever done that I ever saw began with the the surgeons praying with the patient, usually still awake on the table as you use ketamine mostly for anaesthetic in those situations. I went to one of our hospitals my last visit last year for the last time, and they were having a special surgical campaign there. And so there were a lot of patients. And in two days that I was there, I went to the gospel service in the morning And in those two days, 125 people came to faith in Christ. That is what I call thinking about aid, thinking about ways that we can actually use some of our resources for the gospel to have impact in the area. Sometimes we have to respond rapidly, but always through the hands of our Christian men and women is a chance to be sharing the gospel. Then the last trust is GC Assist. It's our human resources area that looks after the office in Palmerston North where all the funds come through, accumulated over a month period, then they go out. That makes sense too because it means one set of bank fees for all the gifts for that individual missionary or that missionary, and right at the moment we're able to get money out to all our partner countries in the world. You know, people would try to send money to Joy and I in Congo from their banks in New Zealand, and they were routinely refused because Congo was considered to be a conflict zone, money laundering issues. But because our mission office and agency has long-time credibility, we're able to actually get money safely out to our missionaries via that office. So just remember to um, pray for Sefton Marshall, who works at that office, and and, uh, um, Heather, who's also working there, looking after all those aspects of collating information, prayer information, funds coming in, sent out to those countries on a monthly basis. And then our last slide, just to remind you that when I talk about GC3 as a mission, I should be sitting down here and saying to you first up, at the top of our mission is you, the local church. We were not there as a mission to tell you what to do or who you should send or or to manipulate your endeavors and and your gospel uh, efforts here from this church. Anybody who goes out must be commended by one of our churches. So you are literally at the top of our mission structure. It is on the basis of your church, your leaders, who are nurturing and growing people for the sake of mission that we're able to then bring in some support. And then it comes down to other parts of that. The sending churches as you at the top, then our missionary partners at 212, the admin support there at Palmerston North, which involves also our Headspace program, which is under review. That's for school leavers. It's under review this year. We are looking to next year have something new for those school leavers who want to do a gap year of mission orientation in the Word of God, working in some of our Christian companies, usually at packhouses or orchards, and then being involved in some short-term mission event. COVID obviously has impact there at the moment, but the last team had a lot of Interesting encounters and opportunities here in New Zealand. Also, then there are our donors, and this one here is really important. National partners. Currently, for Joy and I and a trust that we have set up in Congo, we're supporting 110 pastors and evangelists with our assembly work. are all Black Africans, and that is how it should be. This is a country that has had the gospel. Our first missionary went back into Congo 120 years, 25 years ago. So we understand that there are key indigenous partners in our network of churches across the globe that are worthy of our consideration and at times support. So national workers, with COVID, everybody's sort of looking up a wee bit more. The missionaries, some have come home and they're having to wait and see what's going to happen. But <laughs> Dr. Sage can't come home. Benjamin, who's just had COVID, in Congo and has only just recovered, who's the vice chairman of our board out there, he is home. But today, or yesterday, he started back for the first day after recovering from COVID and his ministry and his work there in that, that network. Indigenous partners are really, really worth getting to know, praying for, and being intentional about with churches. What I want to do to conclude is just to show you a short video clip. And it's of the Congo work. and. Joy is interviewing Ben, who had the, co- who's just recovered from COVID. Uh, ben is uh, actually replying in French, although Joy is asking the questions in English. It's a French-speaking educational language there for for Congo, and I'm translating over. But I'll just give you a snapshot of what is happening with some of our Assembly mission work in this vast continent of Africa. Let's watch it together. As chairman of the CDLA board, what are your teams involved in? Our teams are involved in the preaching of the gospel and the and Bible teaching. We're also involved in the training of active servants of God. Is this teaching just uniquely done by the teaching teams? No, the team is able to use a method of forming key groups or individuals. This group is taught at our center in Lubumbashi. There are around 15 teachers. Then we also invite teachers from the different regions of Katanga. They come for the introduction and then the formation. Then they go back to their regions to teach the same material. They then go to areas that we cannot get to. How many Bible conferences have been taught so far this year? This year, up to now, we have organized 18 Bible conferences. Okay, and where have the conferences been held? These conferences have been held all over the large province of Katanga. It's a vast territory of 497,000 square kilometers. This is the same size as Spain. It's a truly vast area. What languages are you working in? We work from material produced in English. Firstly, we translate material into French. But then there are the Bantu languages that we translate to give better understanding to local tribes. We have Swahili, we have Kiruba, we have Chibamba, Kisanga, and Chokwe. And soon we will have a version in Ndembu. How do you travel to get to these conferences? We have four-wheel drive vehicles, three Land Cruisers. These Land Cruisers aid us to travel all across Katanga. This year, we have already traveled 8,108 kilometers on roads that are really bad, truly bad. But with four-wheel drives, we are able to pass all these obstacles. And what has been the impact of this teaching? The impact is that we have reached over eight thousand and forty people with Bible teaching at these conferences. Among these was one hundred and four new converts, two hundred and sixty public repentances and hundred and seventy-five baptisms. We're really happy with what we see by way of results, because with this work, there are those who have been saved. We see lives transformed. We see leadership in many churches is changing, especially in the areas where we have been two or three times. We see a real change. This is really encouraging us. Well, Ben and the board members Have many responsibilities in the training of church leaders, also in education areas and in medical infrastructure. They also have many other important areas of activity. This year they were involved in life-changing medical campaigns. The first was for children needing surgery for hair lip and cleft pellets. The second campaign saw 31 women receive surgical repair for debilitating bladder fistulas. Our CDLA administrator, Fidel Nkuru, also heads up a disability center and was able to engage tradesmen with disabilities to make hand-powered trike bikes for the victims of severe disabilities. The office staff have also continued the Christian literature program. This was boosted by the arrival of a container of Swahili Bibles. The translation program is now working in seven languages that produce teaching resources for conferences and churches. Solar installation, providing power for our theological school, allows students to have basic computer infrastructure and lighting. The logistical support for the purchasing and transport of medical supplies is a regular responsibility. Responding to crisis events, such as the current cholera epidemic that has flared in two regions, requires rapid response in order to limit the spread of this deadly disease. The teens of national Christian workers is a key to the success of these activities. Our mission of CDLA remain committed to Indigenous missions. Your partnership is a key to the successful advancement of the spreading of the gospel. And the key really is, it's about the we and not the me. So please remember as you go forward as a church, as individuals within your uni context, within your school context, wherever you are, that as we learn to... uh, honor and love and respect the gifting that God has given us as individuals and then work together, we can continue to have an impact in bringing the gospel to a lost world. May God bless your fellowship. Please, if you want to know more about GC3, and please pick up those manuals uh, sitting out on that back chair that will introduce you to our mission partners right across the globe. If you can start praying for them, we know that would be a blessing for them and for the ministries they're involved in. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the calling to be your ambassadors in this world. And we ask, oh God, that we would be uh, able to recognize your uh, prompting and your guiding as we go forward in this week. Help us, Lord, to treasure the invitation to be your hands and feet in this world. We thank you for our church right here, for the, the home it is to us, for the word of God that is taught here, for the fellowship and friendship that we have. Help us, Lord, to learn to continue to work together well, to love each other and to support each other in the areas of gifting that we have as individuals. We thank you, Father, for your presence with us today. And as we draw near to communion now and remember your acts of grace and mercy towards us, help us, Lord, by lifting our hearts and praise and worship as we, we fellowship together in remembrance. And so we give your thanks for your presence with us right now. In Jesus' name, amen.